It's great to have you with us from wherever you're tuning in from. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app. We hope this message inspires and helps you to take your next steps in your journey. We're here because uh, we love Jesus, we're curious about Jesus. You can read about Jesus in the Bible, it's paper, but when you encounter the person of Jesus, everything changes. In fact, in the New Testament, so you know the Bible is divided into two parts, Old Testament, New Testament. At the beginning, we call them the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You could call them biographies of Jesus. Four different uh, perspectives of the person of Jesus, and one thing that is apparent, anytime someone encounters Jesus, they're never the same. Even when it's religious people who despised Jesus, who thought Jesus at times was a blasphemer, he was misleading people, there was at least a sense of change. They were confronted with grace and mercy of which they didn't really appreciate. It was like he was rattling and stirring the the status quo of the religious system that they were part of. There was a, a religious person called Nicodemus who was curious and wanted to know more about Jesus. But at least their lives were turned upside down because there were times that Jesus would uh, offend their minds to reveal their heart and their religious spirit. But then we've got just so many examples of people from different backgrounds encountering Jesus and their life was changed. We have women who were in many sense on the outside of the religious system and at times were uh, discriminated and there was intolerance and prejudice and what have you. And yet when Jesus met with women, he gave them a sense or at least restored a sense of dignity and life purpose and their lives were changed. Jesus met with sick people and they were never the same. Uh, Blind people can see, paralysed people are are walking, people with leprosy, their skin is pure and it's beautiful. People who were oppressed by some demonic stronghold were set free and there were even occasions where dead people were alive again. When people encountered Jesus, their lives were changed because Jesus came to heal the sick, to cast out demons to raise the dead. And one other ministry of Jesus was he also came to heal shame. Even people who had blindness and leprosy and other issues, not only did they have those issues, but they also experienced shame, a sense of feeling inferior, of not belonging, of not being lovable or worthy. And Jesus is also, he's ministering today. People are still being healed. People are still being delivered by spiritual oppression. From time to time, we even hear stories, rarely I've heard it in Australia, but remote remote parts of Africa or South America, and you hear encounters of dead people who have been raised to life in the name of Jesus. 
So Jesus still heals today. He's still teaching today. He's still restoring. He's still forgiving. But Jesus is also healing our shame. And that's the title of this message. Jesus came and he is here today, right here, right now, to heal our shame. But let's face it, it's not so obvious. Shame is this condition that is very subtle, very hidden, and at times so obscure that you could be living with shame as I had for decades and not even aware of it. The simplest definition, and this will be part of the message today, that the simplest definition I can find of well, what is shame is it's a tormenting or menacing feeling of inferiority. This sense of where everyone is here, everyone's life is operating here, and yet you are down here. You could almost say, fill in the gap. I'm not blank enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not holy enough. I'm not, you know, I'm not enough. And Jesus has come to say, enough of saying enough. I am enough. I am more than enough and I want to fill your life and turn your life upside down that you'll never ever say I'm not good enough, I'm not whatever it is. It's I am a child of God. I am forgiven. I am restored. I am made in the image of God. Now, you don't just get shame like, you know, maybe some people have had some medical condition or some situation where you can see, oh, it it just happened. Well, shame, as I said, it's hidden, it's subtle, but it can come upon us for a number of reasons. There are what I'd like to call shame triggers, things in our lives that have triggered this menacing, tormenting sense of inferiority. For some of us, it's some trauma in life often in childhood, such as sexual abuse, where even though you are innocent, there is still a sense of, I have been defiled. And there is this sense of, I feel shame. They don't feel guilty because we feel guilty when we've done something bad. Shame isn't, I I did something bad. Shame is, I am bad. For so many people who have been victims of sexual abuse, some sort of trauma, it's this sense of, I'm bad. I am defiled. I am inferior to anyone else. For other people, it's addictions. Whether it's gambling, it could be alcohol, drugs, pornography, whatever it is. But this sense of shame of my life is out of control. I am actually controlled by a substance. I'm controlled by what's on social media. And this sense of, I feel shame because I can't break the cycle of addiction. And addiction can be a trigger of shame. It can also be, um, if someone's feeling shame, they comfort their shame through addiction. And then they feel more shame. Things like body image. 
particularly today where everything is so plastic and filters and exaggerated and whatever else, and, and we just feel this sense of here is everyone else. They're beautiful, they're strong, they're handsome, their lives are successful, and I'm somewhere down here. It could be your height, it could be your, your weight or lack of weight, muscle, no muscle, it could be your eyes, it could be your ears and nose. There's so many things and in our mind, whatever that is, it's probably exaggerated and distorted, but it's still this sense of, oh, I, I'm just not enough. I'm not good enough. Well, let's look at an encounter that an unnamed Samaritan woman had with Jesus. And we're going to watch this conversation and this dialogue where Jesus just comes with so much grace and revelation, where this woman starts at a place of very deep uh, tormenting shame to a place where she is healed and liberated from her shame. We find this in John chapter 4. It's a very long conversation. We're not going to read it all. We're going to highlight a few parts. But think about it. It's about 42 verses. One of the most lengthy conversations recorded in the New Testament between Jesus and another person. It's probably the most in-depth teaching to the true nature of worship. And it's a context between Jesus, a Jew, and a Samaritan woman. And just to give a little bit of context, we know in, in John chapter 3 that Jesus has been in Judea. He's been throughout, you know, Jerusalem in the temple. There's been lots of conflict with religious leaders. He's been healing. He's been teaching. He's probably had late nights and early mornings. And he's now with his disciples. It's let's go from Judea in the south. Let's go back to our ministry base, which is Galilee in the north. But to do that, we have, a, we have a choice. We can either go through Samaria, although most Jewish people would go, we're not going through Samaria because um, Samaritans are half-breeds. They've got some Jewish blood, but they've got centuries of intermarriage and, and idolatry and all sorts of stuff. So they're, they're not like us. They believe in Yahweh. They believe in God, but they're, they're not Jews. They're half-breeds. They're, they're spiritual outcasts. So for a lot of Jewish people, they would do a huge detour to the east to avoid even walking on Samaritan soil. So it's like being in Victoria, you want to go to Queensland, but you're not going to go through New South Wales. And so you're going to go through you know, South Australia, Northern Territory and avoid New South Wales. Well, Jesus said, blow this. I'm going through the very heart of Samaria. Because I have the heart of the Father, and the Father loves Samaritans. The Father is seeking Samaritans to be true worshippers of him. It's not going to be whether you go to a temple, whether you go to a mountain, whether you pray this sort of prayer, or you do have these sort of rituals. My Father is seeking people like these Samaritans. So Jesus goes through Samaria, but by the time he gets to this place called Sychar, we read, and John wants us to be aware in verse 6 and 31, that Jesus, the Son of God, is exhausted. He's thirsty, he's hungry, he's, he's probably been redlining in his emotional tank, he's been giving and giving, and even Jesus has a time when he is absolutely exhausted. Sometimes when we're exhausted, the thing... Our priority is self-preservation. I've got to fill up the tank. 
And for some of us, we do that by rewarding ourselves. Well, I'm exhausted because I've been doing so much stuff. Even pastors go through this thing, well, I've been giving and giving. I deserve some me time, which is okay, but sometimes the me time becomes a very consuming time, a very dysfunctional time where I just, I, I don't want one glass of wine. I want a bottle of wine. I don't want to watch one movie. I want to watch a whole series of me. I just want my brain to be neutral. I want to reward myself. I want to comfort myself. I'm exhausted. I deserve better. And, and so we go to this whole cycle of trying to, you know, fill this void caused by exhaustion, not Jesus. He sits at a well. The disciples are really consumed. We're hungry. You're, you're hungry. And it's like, come on, Jesus, let's go into town. It's about a kilometre. And Jesus, you know what, I'm... I'm just going to sit here by the well. You go into town. They're just like, well, where are we going to go? And Peter says, oh, gosh, I could really do with some bacon. Did someone say KFC? You know, it's like, you know, it's like okay, let's, let's not go there. It's just, uh, no, we had KFC yesterday. Uh, what about, um, let's go to Hungry Jack's. It's just, you know, they're just thinking food, food. We've got to get food. They're gone. Jesus had a well. I, I've, I, I'm sure that Jesus knows I'm meant to be here. I am weary, I'm thirsty. Pardon me, I just want to lie under a tree, but there's a sense of the Father is, work, is at work and something is about to happen. Along comes an unnamed Samaritan woman. She's also um, thirsty. And, uh, and, you know, she comes along like she has. And it's not just an, any other well. John makes note that it's Jacob's well. This is an area that Jacob gave his son Joseph. This is this has a lot of uh, this has a lot of history. It's sacred, you know. This is a place that talks about or is a reminder to even Samaritans of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That this is a place Jacob lived and he operated. He dug this well. He gave this land to his Joseph. This is sacred. But this woman, I don't think, really thinks much about it. It's a spiritual side. It's just. I just need to get water. And the reason why I'm coming at this time of the day, midday, another detail of John is it's the hottest part of the day and no one in their right mind is going to go and draw water in the middle of the day. So for this woman, I, I don't have to be with other women. They probably come at eight in the morning. But I come every day in the middle of the day because of shame and, and I don't have to have a conversation. I don't have to look at the other women looking at me and, and that 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 look of disapproval, because she's not just a Samaritan woman. We're going to find out there's a little bit more to her story than that. And so we, we look at this encounter with Jesus and this woman, and we see, oh, that, we can see there's been a number of shame triggers. There's a number of reasons why this woman is experiencing shame. Number one, like everyone in the town, everyone in that region, she's a Samaritan. And she has heard from her parents and her parents' parents the story of how God's people were one people, but then there was this division and, uh, you know, Israel went to the north and Judah in the south. And unfortunately, our, our family histories, it's pretty bad. They started intermarrying with Assyrians and other people. And we became, our bloodline became so scattered that these Jewish people believe we're pure, we, we worship God in Jerusalem, we, we have a temple, we are God's chosen people. 
you are an afterthought. You have history and it's not good. Now, if you know your history, Judah didn't have a great history either. They were in Babylon for 70 years and the city was burned down, but let, you know, let's not talk about that. But the Samaritans knew that they were hated and despised by Jews. And so, number one, she knows I'm not pure. Spiritually, I'm just a Samaritan. Worship the same God, but I'm not a Jew. Secondly, she's a she. Now, for all the women here, I, I hope that you, you can join Helen Reddy and sing, I am woman. You know, it's great to be a woman in the 21st century, and we're doing a little bit better concerning issues like equality. We've still got a, a way to go, but you know, there's at least a concerted effort, even politically, of we want to see women's dignity and everything like that. We, you know, you're level with men, and, uh, but first century, oh, whole different ballgame to be a woman. Sometime before the time of Jesus, Aristotle, a Greek philosopher, said this, and Greek philosophy influenced uh, Jewish culture, and this is his view of women. A female is a deformed male. So if you are a woman in the first century, you're basically a deformed male. You are a woman, but everything about you is deformed. Josephus, a, uh, a Jewish historian, said a woman is inferior to her husband in every area. There are so many quotes, even among the Jewish people after the time of Jesus, in a lot of their writings, I would say women cannot read and study the Torah. Uh, a woman could not be, she could witness a, a, a murder, but she could not be a witness in court because they were seen as unreliable. Such was the time. She was a Samaritan and she was a woman. Notice that those two issues are genetic. There are times the shame that we experience, our nationality, our gender, our gender confusion, um, our body image, there are a number of things. It's not something we've done, something bad, it's just genetics, and yet that part of genetics has given us this sense of shame. Certain sicknesses and disabilities, it's not because you caught a disease, it's just it's a genetic disposition in you. It's now manifested in this way. You're not to blame for it, but you still feel shame. So here you've got this unnamed Samaritan woman, but there is something she's possibly partly um, has some, made some, probably some bad choices. She is sexually immoral. We don't know the circumstances. We do know through a conversation with Jesus that she has been married five times, uh, a little bit more than Kim Kardashian, not, not as many divorces as Elizabeth Taylor, but first century, a woman who's been divorced five times, you, you are really way down the social scale. You're a Samaritan, you're a woman, you've been married five times, you are right down the bottom of the ladder. And she's in a de facto relationship. <sighs> Yeah, she probably played a part, we don't know, but under the law, she is in this de facto relationship, she is committing adultery. So how does Jesus heal this woman? 
of shame. Well, she comes along, Jesus sitting by the well, she comes along and Jesus asks a very simple question, uh, will you give me a drink? Now, when we read it, think, oh, that's nice. I mean, why, why didn't Jesus say, please, let's not go there? He just said, will you give me a drink? Now, I'm sure the tone was very gentle, was very gracious, but we need to be aware of, even in this moment, this could have been seen by people, first century Jewish culture, Jewish Samaritan culture, that was rather flirtatious of Jesus, talking to a woman that he does not know. It would have almost been seen as scandalous because it's not like turning on a tap and getting some water. She's got to use her bucket that she's bringing, maybe a ladle or something that she's going to give to Jesus. So now Jesus is saying, will you give me a drink? And it's like, I am actually going to now share your utensils. Scandalous. He is in Samaria. He's got Samaritan soil on his feet, on his sandals. He's talking to a Samaritan woman. He's about to share the same bucket, the same ladle or, or whatever it is. It's like this is scandalous, but this is how the conversation starts. You're thirsty. I'm thirsty. We have a lot in common. I'm a man, you're a woman. I'm a Jew, you're a Samaritan. I am sexually pure. You've had five failed marriages. You're basically a train wreck when it comes to relationships. But we're human. Even as the son of God, I need water, you need water. That could have been the first uh, clue for the woman that this man is different. He's talking to me with a sense of dignity, like we're, we're equal. He's not talking down. He's not condemning. He's not asking something that a lot of other men have asked me. It's like, this is really different. And then Jesus turns the conversation about physical water to a spiritual conversation, just like that. He then says, oh, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water... I give will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give will become in you a spring of water welling up to eternal life. What, what, what a changing conversation. I'm thirsty, you're thirsty. Uh, when I drink in a few hours, I'm going to need to drink again and again and again. Oh, I've got some water to offer you. When you drink, you'll never be thirsty again. Now, I don't know what the woman's thinking. She's probably thinking, what? I don't have to go back to this well. I don't ever have to worry about what people seeing me. No, no, there's something really different. And it provokes, which is what Jesus wanted, it provokes some curiosity. Oh, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming and drawing water. Oh, I'm intrigued. The conversation, those scandalous it is so kingdom. Then Jesus talks about the facts. If you want healing in shame, at some point it's got to come to the surface. And this is what Jesus does. He says to her, I'll just go call your husband and come back. Like this water I'm going to give you, I don't want it just to be for you, I want it for your husband. And then she, she must have sensed, oh, this is a safe place. 
I can tell him the truth. Because she could have said, oh, um, my husband, Peter, yeah, he's away on business, sorry. Or, oh, oh my, my husband, oh, he, he's got COVID. He, he's in bed. It's really bad. Man flu, at, you know, it's just, no, she just said very honestly, um, I, I don't have a husband. And Jesus said, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, we're just going to talk about the facts. The fact is you have five husbands and the man you're with now is not your husband. You've probably given up on marriage. I don't blame you after five failed marriages. Just, I'm just going to live with the guy. She's a Samaritan, a woman, a relationship train wreck, an adulterer. Let's start with the facts. Here are the facts. Shame has had a field day. For all these reasons, shame has been tormenting you. It is this menace, this voice that's been speaking to you decade after decade. You are a woman. You're a Samaritan. You're an adulterer. You don't belong. You don't count. You're not only despised by the Jews, you're despised by the Samaritans. You're nothing. You're useless. You're hopeless. You've got no value in life. But Jesus didn't say that. For the first time, she's about to hear a new voice. But in this conversation, all of this shame and all of the triggers of shame, here are the facts. When I got counselling for the shame I was experiencing, started with, well, I'm seeing a counsellor because I'm having these things, apparently they're called panic attacks. I don't know, but I began to realise childhood um, trauma, my relationship with my dad, a whole lot of things. It just took its toll where my, it actually impacted my body to the point of my body was just just exhausted and I was having trouble breathing and it was called a panic attack. So here are the facts. You are a Samaritan, you are a woman, you are an adulterer, but let me now share the truth. Verse 23, the Father is seeking people like you to worship him. The fact that you're a woman and you're a Samaritan and you're an adulterer, you think it's disqualified you from Judaism. In some aspects, it has. But when it comes to the kingdom of God, it's actually qualified you because your life has been so humiliated, you have been so broken, so filled with shame, you are spiritually impoverished. You know you need love. But religion's not going to provide it. In fact, at times, religion can make shame worse. But here is the truth. The Father is seeking you. And in John chapter 8, verse 32, and the truth will set you free. Not the truth that you're an adulterer, not the truth that you're a Samaritan woman, the truth that you are loved, you've been made in the image of God. The Father has been and is pursuing you. And he's saying enough of that voice of shame. All of that hiddenness, all of that um, avoidance. It's like you are loved and you have everything in you to make you an authentic worshipper of God. Because when you worship God, 
You you begin to be overwhelmed by his mercy, his grace and his love. No longer are you overwhelmed by your brokenness and your shame and all these things that have disqualified you in religion. No, you are overwhelmed by grace. And in many ways, we're very similar to that Samaritan woman. There are a number of things in our life Things we've done, things we haven't done. Things we've said and the things we haven't said. All of these triggers of shame, all of these things that have caused us to feel we are so less than everyone else. It's even possible to come to church and you're watching everyone else and people have their eyes closed and they're raising your hands and yet on the inside you feel lost and you feel unworthy and you feel, oh, I could never have that sort of passion. I'm just so broken. And Jesus is saying, enough. Enough of the shame talk. Like the woman, we are thirsty, not for water, but living water. We are thirsty for Jesus there are all these other worlds we've tried. We've tried the, the well of success. We've tried the well of social media. We've tried the well um, of addictions and all these other things. And, and it quenches your thirst for a time, but you've got to keep drinking and drinking and drinking. But there is this well, this Jesus well, and he wants to bring all of our pain and all of our shame. He wants to expose it, not to condemn us, but you see, shame thrives on hiddenness and secrecy and when we bring it out by talking to someone a counselor a friend or by just going to Dr. Jesus and saying here is all of my shame here is what I say here is all of my brokenness and it's like okay well shame is going to die because it thrives on secrecy it's not a secret anymore here are the facts about your life Here are all the trigger points, but here is the truth. The Father loves you. The Father is seeking you. He wants you to be a radical worshipper, a radical disciple. Drink deeply from Jesus. And he would say to you this morning, shame off you. Amen. We really hope you got a lot out of this message. If you live in the Perth area, we'd love for you to join one of our live experiences. For times and directions, as well as information, head to our website, elevatechurch.me. For those of you beyond the Perth area, we'd love for you to connect with our online experience, which premieres every Sunday via YouTube and Facebook Live, and on demand immediately after. And to partner with us to reach more people by giving financially, head to our website, elevatechurch.me and also download our Elevate Church AU app.